What's up, everybody? Welcome to our podcast, Bench Warmers. This is your boy, Lo, a.k.a. Loami Richardson, a.k.a. You know, the Puerto Rican sensation. I'm just making up stuff. <laughs> I want to introduce everyone to my co-host, Jonathan Castillo, a.k.a. Jono. Jono, let them know who you are, man. How you doing? How what you up, doing? man? Lo, what's up? I am super excited to finally get this going. This has been years and years and years of talk and preparation. Just to give the people some, some knowledge, we met back in 2008, and it's been a brotherhood ever since then. And sports is is what actually got us together. You know, I noticed you were a Mets fan when we first started working together in the summer right. camp, and uh, <laughs> we we hit it off uh, since then. And every summer and and every now and then we get into really good debates and really good topic of conversation. So we finally, well, you finally agreed to do the podcast here with me, and and I'm just excited, man. And uh, I I can't wait to finally get this going. Man, I'm I'm I feel the same way, man. Like I said, we've we've known each other for a few years now, and what connected us was sports and our love for sports. And um, you know, we have a little personal group chat that we have and follow. And so, you know, usually the ones that end up debating is always John or myself. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, you know, I kind of you know he shot the idea like, yo, we should do a podcast. You know, I'm all down it, and it's like, you know what, let's do it. And so we figured out the name Bench Warmers. You know, we both had hoop aspirations, hoop goals, hoop dreams. And uh, right now, you know, we just kind of retired from the game. And so we're on the bench talking our smack. You know what I'm saying? We're going to talk our talk. You know? Oh, yeah. So, so Big, hopefully uh, you guys enjoy the podcast. And, uh, yeah, you know, you know, hopefully you guys will grow with us in this journey. <laughs> like I said, we're putting this thing together. And so we want to give what the people want. So we're going to give them what the people want. Oh, yeah. Big time. Big, big bench warmer myself. Now I'm officially retired from playing the game of basketball. I uh, read my retirement statement during quarantine to my fiance and my daughter, and I was greeted with many different reactions, as you can imagine. Right. Um, big shout out to, to my man, Sam, for uh, giving us the name. You know, I brainstormed some names with him, too. And, and this this was the best one that benefited the both of us who did right. have very high hoop aspirations and now currently rock the bench and provide insight. <laughs> yes. Yes, sir. So we, you know, John and I used to play in men's leagues and, you know, and, and, and now that we're both retired officially, you know, um, Jono is still in the game of basketball and, uh, you know, as an AAU coach and also a coach for, uh, is it varsity? I am the JV head basketball coach at Timber Creek high school district okay. champions, uh, uh, 2020 district champions. I am one of the varsity assistants, uh, currently. All right. So, so you're going to get a lot of expertise information with Jono. You're going to hear me just talk my junk, you know, talk my junk. So, you know, we're hopefully you guys enjoy the podcast series, but, um, uh, this one is going to be very centered around basketball. So, so obviously this is our first love as we move forward. We are going to talk about other sports <laughs> topics, but for this particular, we said, we're going to launch this thing after the finals. Um, as you guys well know, the Lakers end up winning their 17th NBA championship. You know, not every, you know, the, the, the majority uh, of the people watching the finals were probably Lakers fans. But for the most part, those either people rooting for or rooting against LeBron James, LeBron James, LeBron James, LeBron James. Now, listen, <laughs> I will always tell, uh, you know, I'm very unapologetic about this. I am an MJ fan. He is the GOAT of all GOATs, but we have this younger generation who thinks that, nah, LeBron James is a GOAT. And so, 
you know, the question we're going to be uh, discussing right now, was this LeBron's easiest title run? Donna, what are your thoughts? Was this LeBron James' easiest title run? Be before I get into the, the question, I, I do want to say this. When the Lakers traded for Anthony Davis, the first thing I did was created a blog and my very first blog announced the Lakers as the 2019-2020 NBA champions. Um, I knew AD was the missing piece, and I knew teaming him up with LeBron was going to be beneficial. Obviously, my predictions was wrong in some of the offseason signings, but that, that's another topic of conversation. To answer the question, was this the easiest title run for the Lakers or for LeBron? I don't know. I, I, I don't think it was. Um, I, I think he faced a lot of very hot teams in the bubble. And we'll get into this a little bit later. But the NBA bubble is its own environment um, right. in its own right. And I, I do think that the Lakers benefited from having veteran experience with LeBron, with uh, Rondo, um, and even with the, the Lakers coaching staff, Jason Kidd. Um, you know, they. I, I don't know. I don't think that this was LeBron's easiest title run. I think LeBron met a lot of good teams during their peak. So the Blazers came off of some healthy uh, or came off some injuries with some players um, and they, they faced the Lakers. Lakers weren't even favorite to win that one. You know, they, people right. said the Blazers are going to win. That was six, really a media bias against the Lakers. I was one of them. I was really hoping that LeBron did not win his fourth NBA championship, not because, you know, I'm a LeBron hater per se, but because of the conversation of him being greater than Michael Jordan, it's easier to root against him than for him. That's just me. All right. So was this LeBron's easiest title run? You, you didn't really answer the question, Jono. You know, I'm going to say no. Okay. I'm, I'm going to say right. no. I'm going to say no. And, and the reason why I'm going to say no is because they played very good teams. The Lakers were just better. They were overall better, had more depth than every single team they played. Did we want to see the Clippers and the Lakers? Yes. As a basketball so, so fan, which, absolutely. Which is, the point, which is the point I'm going to make? So was this LeBron's easiest title? Yes, it was. <laughs> and here's why. Like, straight up. Like, listen, you can only play who you play, right? You can only right. play the opponent that you're playing. Portland. We was kind of hoping Dame Time would come through, but we knew deep in our hearts they weren't going to be a LeBron James AD team, you know. So, so I was really hoping for Melo, you know, to go back to you know Denver Melo and, and drop thirty a night and just give you know LeBron James a hard time. That wasn't the case. The second team they ended up playing was the Houston Rockets. They have no bigs, right? And so one thing about you know the the Lakers run and and, and shout outs to Frank Vogel. Who, who adjusted to every series. He never got stuck in one game plan. He adjusted very well to every series played. But then what we was anticipating, what the media was pushing, you know, like, like, like the commercials are all ended up focusing on a Clippers-Lakers matchup. And I truly believe, in my heart of hearts, that if the Clippers would have made it to the Western Conference Finals, that they would have beat L.A. Not because of chemistry, but just the amount of talent. And I believe there, there's certain teams like the Clippers, and we've seen this over time, where they play to their level of competition, right? Some players elevate, other players, you know, and, and, and the Clippers, I think they were just waiting so much to play the Lakers that they kind of underestimated the Nuggets. Nuggets show there, you know, Jamal Murray did his thing. 
you know, the Joker was doing his thing, but th that was the first time in the West Coast Conference Finals and experience took over. LeBron did his thing. So I'm going to say, yes, this was LeBron's easiest title run. There wasn't really any series that you can, you felt like he was feeling a lot of pressure. I think that pressure was going to come with the Clippers, but the Clippers didn't do their thing. So the Lakers played who they played. And then when they played Miami, nobody expected Miami to be there, right? Nobody expected Miami to really give any competition to the Lakers. So was this LeBron's easiest title run? I think so. Uh, and, and there's going to be people going to disagree. Oh, they're going to give all the reasons why, you know, why, why it wasn't so. But I believe this was LeBron's easiest title run only because everybody was anticipating and waiting for them to play the Clippers. And they did not play the Clippers. That was their toughest matchup. So that's my opinion that this was LeBron's easiest title run. Now, does it negate the fact that he won a championship? No, that's not the argument. Question was, was this LeBron's easiest title run? Yes, it was. Well, yes, let me let me ask you this. So we we talk about the Clippers, and the media has definitely driven that narrative of LeBron versus the Clippers. Not so much the Lakers versus the Clippers, but LeBron versus Kawhi, right? The the dynasty right. stopper, Kawhi Leonard, who is he's one of my favorite players. Right. But we we look at the way the Clippers played the Mavs, and Luca dominated them. That's a bad. Mavs, hey, that's a bad white boy, right bad there. Man, bad man. He Ooh. he's to me he's top ten. But if right. the Mavs if the Mavs had another guy that they can go to, if if Przingis was healthy, plus maybe a third scorer or somebody who's a real consistent deep threat, you know, now are the Mavs better than the Clippers? And then you have a Mavs and Nuggets series, and then you LeBron plays the winner out of them. You know, we we just don't know. Those are things that we obviously. We, we speak about and, and kind of wish right. into fruition, but you know, uh, the, the Clippers narrative was definitely driven by the media. It was driven day one when Paul George and, and uh, Kawhi went over to, to lost the other side of, of LA. Um, I do think that LeBron would have beat the Clippers. I, I think that the experience would have um, helped there. Um, but you know, that that's, Man, I would have wished to, to see. Well, the Clippers I, I, I think the reason why people was jumping on the Clippers bagwagon, I, I, me for one, you know, was that depth. Man, you had Doc Rivers, you True. had Ty, you know, Ty Lue as the assistant coach. You got, you know, Kawhi Leonard who just won a championship over in Toronto. Mm -hmm. You know, you got Paul George who, you know, he he didn't show like he didn't show up in this playoffs, but you know, Playoff he is P. a top, you know two wing player in the NBA, you know? And so in that depth, you got, you know, it was a chicken, chicken wing Lou, you know, uh, <laughs> chicken wing Lou, chicken wing Lou, you know? So, so nobody saw the depth of the Lakers really contributing much. Right. Right. You had AD, you had LeBron and everything hinged on what AD was going to do. And LeBron right. was going to do. Nobody expected this out of Rondo and KCP had a good, you know, a few games in the series, Dwight Howard in some games played with high energy. So, you know, was this LeBron, at the end of the day, Lakers can only play who they play because of the Clippers not living up to their own potential. They, they did what they were supposed to do. They won a championship. And so was this LeBron's easiest title run? I, I would have to say yes. And the biggest opponent, or competition or toughest matchup was the Miami Heat, and they were even injured. You know, we got Bam who was hurt, Garjik who was hurt. So, you know, who knows? But at the end of the day, that's just kind of 
what happens when you play the game of basketball. So, yeah. so now we know that they won the championship. They won 17-4 for LeBron. Question, Jonah, will the Lakers repeat this uh, this this coming year? Is the no. pressure off LeBron because because to solidify LeBron's greatness, he might have to win another one. So, will the Lakers repeat? Well, for for the goat conversation, he has to win two more, right? Yeah, he has to have six just to be considered the goat. Um, and that that's that's to you. That's your opinion. But will the Lakers repeat? <laughs> that's not, no. Not opinion is facts. <laughs> six is greater than four. All right, go ahead. It is. Go ahead. It is. But I, will the Lakers repeat? No. I, I mean, they built a team to win right now, and they did that. Um, every team is going to get healthy. Golden State's going to get healthy. The Nuggets are going to get better. Um, we mentioned Dallas earlier. They're going to get better. Um, and then on the on, on the East, I mean, Miami is only going to get better. They just started something great over in South Beach. Milwaukee with Giannis, I mean, they, they've got a couple pieces they need to add. I, I think that that will make them a championship caliber they, team. They need one more piece, man. If they can get a Bradley Beal, somebody who can create their own jump shot, Bucks is going to be a problem. Mm -hmm. I know we've been saying yep. that, but Giannis yeah. needs help. He needs perimeter help. Yeah, somebody to stretch the floor, and and you know we'll, we'll talk about a little bit of the offseason later. But just someone to stretch the floor for Milwaukee, I think, would be fantastic. And even Toronto, I mean, Toronto needs another guy, but someone to stretch the floor more for for Kyle Lowry to get to the lane. Um, and allow some of those guards just to, to impact the, the paint the way that they do. But um, the, I, don't, I don't think the Lakers will repeat. I mean, Rondo just opted out. KCP opted out. Dwight's going to be a free agent with that fantastic non-guaranteed deal that the Lakers signed them to, which was yeah. phenomenal for the Lakers. But, I mean, there's going to be a lot of missing pieces. Um, you know, there, there's going to be some um, some free agents. And this is a weak class, but there's going to be some free agents that the Lakers will – you know, probably uh, weigh heavily on to to be some role players for them. Um, but the West is only going to get harder next next uh, season. The, the Nuggets are going to be a top three seed. Um, Golden State's going to be a top one, top two um, NBA team. I don't see the Lakers being a top three, maybe four, five seed. You, you know, know, you with, know it's, funny, it's funny you say this, right? Because we just spoke a second ago, and this is something that we constantly see on ESPN and mm -hmm. also media outlets, that – no one gave the credit to the Lakers for winning anything, right? They didn't even have them as a top five team. They probably had them in the fifth, fourth team to, to win the, the, the championship. They win the championship, and now we're asking the question, will the Lakers repeat? And again, now nah, we're going to repeat. Golden State <laughs> will be better. You know, Clipper, everybody's going to be better than the Lakers. Um, right. But I think a lot of it had to do with, uh, again, the offseason acquisitions. A lot of these key players – are opting out? Are they going to resign? You know, and a lot of it, you know, LeBron is a year older, and I, I really believe that the bubble benefited someone like LeBron, just because no wear and tear on the body, in in the sense of all this extra travel, different time right. zones, all of this crazy stuff, and it's going to be a different NBA season coming December, and yeah. you know, a team like the Clippers, you know, and not the Clippers, but the team like the Lakers, are on have a shorter shorter rest period right mm -hmm. is a bubble going to be in seven eight different cities is it going to go back to how it was before is it going to be in a we don't know so there's going to be different obstacles that they're going to have to you know deal with and at the end of the day someone like ad and lebron well lebron he's a little bit more veteran savvy than than ad in this in regards to in you know keeping the you know the, the foot on the gas and and coming out hungry 
or are they going to play more lax? Hey, we got our championship. We really don't care. You know, the job is done. So my opinion with the Lakers repeat is going to be a tougher path. I don't think they'll repeat. Um, I think everyone's kind of gunning for them. They kind of, you know, I think all of the offseason moves, especially like the Clippers, are going to be focusing on what can we do to get ourselves in a position to really beat the Lakers. So less is more for them. You know, the Bucks that they can make some accusations. Golden State is a team that nobody's been talking about. We're going to speak about that here in a little bit. But um, nah, I don't believe the Lakers will repeat. So sorry, uh, Laker Nation. We don't believe the Lakers <laughs> will repeat. So hopefully the Dodgers can give you another championship. Oof, so you can uh, end up rejoicing and, and exp- you know, being happy with that because at the end of the day, I don't think the Lakers are going to repeat. That's my opinion, just based on the offseason yeah. accusation. So one thing about the finals that we can all agree, and we talked about this. Mm-hmm. I'm a Jimmy Butler fan. It's kind of obnoxious. You're like, oh, you, you have a bias because he's a Bulls. Not- yeah, yeah, yeah. There was something about Jimmy that no one ever gave that brother credit for, man. Like, he's just a dog. He He's Agreed. He, he's just hard-nosed player. And so during the finals, Jimmy Buckets demonstrated to the world, like, I ain't no slouch, bro. I can I can hoop with the best of them. Had two triple doubles in the finals. Literally, the team, he carried his team to those two wins. I love the fact that, you know, when he when he missed, I think he missed a layup and he was on the, you know, on the bench and he was just exhausted because he's giving his all, right? And he showed like, hey, we don't have to have a triple double to win. He wanted to get his teammates involved and he realized, well, no, maybe I have to carry this team. I believe Jimmy Butler revealed to the world that he's not just an all-star. But the question is, in your opinion, Jono, is Jimmy Butler a superstar? Talking about a 4A you know, you know, a four star, four and a half star, five star superstar. I think I think he's close. I think he's close. You're not you're not gonna like my response to this. I think he's close. <laughs> I don't I don't think right now that Jimmy Butler is a superstar. And and here's why. <laughs> and here's and here's why. To me, you're a superstar mm. if you dominate the game on a nightly basis. LeBron James, Steph Curry, Kevin Durant. Now, did you just mention Steph Curry? I, I you know, I mentioned Steph. I'm, I'm not the biggest <laughs> Steph fan. You know I, this. I, I I'm this not the biggest Steph Jono fan. Jono is the biggest Steph Curry hater there is out there. We're gonna leave that. <laughs> on another, we're gonna we're gonna have that conversation later. But the fact that you mentioned Steve Stephen yeah. Curry. That's that's huge. Go ahead, continue. But but it's but it's true. I mean, if if you can't if Jimmy Butler was able to get forty points a night in the NBA Finals, then it changes my mind that he's a superstar. To me, he's a star. To me, he is someone that you can build around. Miami showed it. Now those other teams, Minnesota, uh, Philly, I don't know what they were thinking with maybe saying that Jimmy Butler was the problem. No, he was not the problem. Minnesota was yep. the problem. Philly was a problem. Giving two hundred plus million dollars to Al Horford and Tobias Harris, with all the respect, because I, I do like those ball players. But Jimmy Butler was not the problem in any of those franchises, and so, he showed that in Miami. Here is how I'm going to destroy your argument, Jono. <laughs> Please go ahead. Every single time that Jimmy has left a team, they got progressively worse. He had the LeBron James effect. <gasps> not only did he leave Minnesota, Minnesota got worse. 
you know, and I love the story of him, you know, picking a bunch of uh, bench players, you know, like the third stringers and like whipping the first stringers. And he said, you need to pay me. I'm the man. Like after that, I think I just, he's I, my, my love for Jimmy was just like magnified. I'm like, yes, yeah, I remember reading guy. that story. Right? That was amazing. Yes. Yeah. You know, so, so he, he feeds off of guys who are hungry, just like him. He goes to Philly. You had Joel and B talking about like he was his favorite teammate. He actually toughened up more even after Jimmy left. He was like, you know, saying I did this for Jimmy, you know, like like he had, you know, Jimmy put something in Joel in those moments mm -hmm. to try to, you know, be tougher. He goes to Miami. Miami creates this beautiful culture of just a bunch of hard nosed, unselfish guys who know their role. And they gave the keys to Jimmy Butler. And Jimmy was always a team guy because he says, yo, I'm. I'm not the I'm not the anchor of this team. Bam is, you know, he he kind of diverted, you know, he he yells at a uh, uh, Duncan Robinson, you better start shooting that ball. And to a default as a superstar, he was trying to, to adjust how can I be an unselfish player for my teammates to get better? But you know, this is the first time in in this type of position, you know, uh uh what's uh what's a uh, hero um was hooping, but this is his first finals, and so when Jimmy Butler needed to elevate his game. He took that team and he showed that he is a superstar. Now, can he do it on a consistent basis? Um, I don't think he needs to, but I believe a superstar is someone who says, my team is struggling. We need some buckets. We need a defensive play. We need, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, you know, I need to make a correct pass. Jimmy Butler in those moments against the finals elevated himself to superstar status. And he not only did it once, he did it twice. And guarding LeBron James on the other, you know, uh, on the other end of the court, so I believe Jimmy Butler really caused a lot of coaches, GMs to raise their eyebrows and say, "Dang, he's not your flashy superstar. He's not the LeBron James. He's the, he's not this super athletic guy, but he's just a hard nosed dude who who has this under, you know, uh, you know, underdog mentality that rises when." He needs to, and and all throughout Jimmy Bucket's career, especially in Chicago, he always hit timely shots. Always hit timely shots when they were down, whether they needed a run, whether they needed like an AO spurt. He always made these big plays. So I think on the biggest stage, how do you respond? Jimmy responded, and I believe he superseded the Paul Georges of the world. He's up there with the Kawhi Leonard's, right? Because you know what you're going to get with Jimmy. Jimmy is Jimmy to me is a superstar, someone you can build a team around because Miami did. And look, he took that team to the Eastern Conference Finals. So come on, man. How you, how's Jimmy Butler <laughs> not a superstar? You um, know? Look, like, man, Jimmy, Jimmy's a dog. He's he's an absolute dog. I love the way he plays. He's got a very old school game kind of feel to, to his approach. You know, like, like you mentioned, he is a team player. Uh, I... If he's a superstar, and, and to your point, um, the team's getting worse. If he's a superstar, he should have elevated those teams the way a LeBron James and a Giannis or a Steph elevates the current teams that they're on. So, for, for example, when he was traded to Minnesota, and it was a little bit midseason, I think it was about maybe a month or two into the season, if he's a superstar, he should have elevated that team to more than an eighth seed in the West. You see, you see what I'm saying? He should have elevated Philly to a win over Toronto. It should have never yeah, been given. Bro, that Philly team, we all know that coaching 
did not do that team any justice. Who was a star? Joel Embiid has the most talent, right? Uh, uh, ben Simmons had the uh, uh, was the most gifted, um, and Jimmy Butler was kind of like the third tier star. So that's how that's how they played him. But in those moments where they needed the biggest plays, it was Jimmy Butler who always stepped up. It wasn't Joel. It wasn't Ben. Then you have you know in Minnesota you had Tom Thibodeau over there, and you got to you know he loved playing with Tibbs because he knows what to expect from Tibbs. And none of these other guys played hard. They just based everything on their talent. You got, you know, Carl Anthony Towns, who is a top, arguably a top three center in the league, just mm-hmm. based on his talent. But Jimmy, yo, you couldn't, you couldn't pull anything out of this guy, right? You got Andrew Wiggins, you know, his, can drop 20 a night, but his 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 motor and his body language yeah. is like he doesn't want to be there. So Miami created a culture that really allowed jimmy butler to thrive to really allow him to be himself and not to be contained so it's all about the culture it's about the coaching putting yourself in each you know uh, putting these players in a in a, in a good atmosphere to allow the talents to really flourish there is right. no question in miami heat none of those players they there's no question that jimmy butler is their best player and everything yeah. that team goes as far as jimmy butler's takes right Right. Oh. He's he's their guy. And, and you know, I was listening to Bill Simmons say this uh, about last week and he mentioned when an NBA star signs with a team, sometimes it's not always the best fit. I mean, we look at Al Horford mm-hmm. with Philly, um, right. you know, giving him a, a bunch of money and it's just it's not a good fit. Miami and Jimmy is the most perfect fit for both organization and player. And I think Jimmy is growing to the superstar status, and he showed that in the bubble. LeBron James won MVP or Finals MVP. Lakers won the championship. But Miami and Jimmy Butler benefited most from the bubble and moving forward will benefit most from the bubble based off of their play and based off of how they play. I mean, guys eat that up. If I'm a free agent, I look at what Jimmy Butler did. I look at what Miami's doing. Spolstra is already one of the best coaches in the league. Very unselfish team. Very unselfish. Why why not want to play there? You know what I mean? Why why not want to join that kind of system, that, that kind of culture, that kind of environment, and then play alongside Jimmy Butler, who showed in the bubble, he'll go after anybody. Yep. He'll yep. go after anybody. So yep. he this is why hurts my heart, man. That Chicago <laughs> did not see the value in him, right? You're like, why did you let this brother go? He he's he bounced to different teams and he solidified himself that this culture said, Hey, we believe in you. You know, Pat Riley saw something in Jimmy that most GMs did not, you know, most presidents didn't want to see. So you did mention something. We lived in Orlando, Florida, you know, sunny Florida, hot Florida. COVID capital of the world, Florida. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and um, we had the awesome privilege of not necessarily going to the bubble because we could have right. access there, but we was the state and the city that hosted the bubble for the NBA. And so it was a glorified AAU tournament. It, you know, that that's what it was. But what we saw in the bubble, the game was just, I think, in its purest form. Of basketball there was no crowds to to hype people up you know it was just you know you're in this you know you're in this you know bubble this atmosphere right. that you have to see these guys every single day basketball is you're eating sleeping you know and 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 that's all you're doing is basketball yeah. yeah and um but the product that came out was an amazing product so so do you believe that the bubble was good for the nba 
Yeah, I, I do. I really do. I mean, from a financial standpoint and not having fans, obviously it hurt them. But just from watching basketball as a fan of basketball, the NBA bubble was it was amazing. I mean, I I don't remember the last time I was locked into so many basketball games because I knew it was going to be quality basketball. I, mm-hmm. I I'll be honest, I kind of shied away from watching the NBA because I just didn't feel like the basketball was was as good, you know. I yeah. mean, and you know, just watching the bubble. I mean, it, it was hard nosed basketball, night in and night out. These guys were playing every other day, and it was. I mean, I, I can't say enough of what the NBA did to even have this bubble. So shout out to the NBA and, and Adam Silver for what they did. Zero no COVID, COVID cases. Zero COVID. positive cases. Six following months. protocols, wearing a mask. I mean. It, it was yeah. it was honestly remarkable. What they did yeah. was remarkable, and for the players to buy into it too, and and you know for them for them to just have the season that they had in the bubble was was amazing. Um, I I have nothing but great things to say about the bubble. I mean, the basketball was, I can't say this enough. The basketball was amazing. I I, I thoroughly loved watching basketball in the bubble. I agree. I, I think the bubble created and revealed a lot of guys that I don't think would have revealed like, you know, I think earlier in the season, right before um, the playoffs began, you know, you had Ty Warren um, hooping like TJ Warren. Yep. TJ Warren Warren just hooping like 50 balls. Like, you know, we was able to see the Devin Bookers of the world who, you know, did a phenomenal job taking that Suns team and winning every single game in the bubble. You know, we, we was able to see guys that we weren't able to see because who, who watches the Phoenix Suns? Who's going to watch an Indiana Pacers, you know, right. game? So we've got to see a lot of talent um, that we normally wouldn't see. We saw Jamal Murray blossom to a star, you know, Donovan Mitchell as well. So I think the bubble created just the purity of basketball that we all kind of grew up, you know, watching, participating, and, and just enjoying without the, you know, hyping out for the crowd. and and But at the same time, you know, it was a different mental shift. How can you get yourself uh, emotionally and mentally prepared where there's no crowd chanting defense? There's no one, right. you know, you know, celebrating, you know, the game winning jump shot or anything like that. So um, you can kind of see the guys who are the mentally strongest in that bubble. And so, of course, LeBron James, he showed that he's he can adjust to any, adult, uh, you know, in any environment. You know, we just talked about Jimmy Butler. There was a lot of guys who allowed who thrived in this bubble and other guys who didn't, you know, the Clippers, you know, playoff P, you know, we're, we're, you know, I'm a big mental health advocate, but I can understand, you know, his frustrations like, yo, I was depressed, you know, so some guys adjusted well, other guys didn't, but I believe that the bubble was good for the NBA just from a product standpoint. I think they was able to really, dem- you know, showcase a lot of stars that we wouldn't have saw, you know, if it was just, you know, the regular basketball season. And so, so I agree. You know, the bubble was good for the NBA. I hope that they do some sort of in-tournament type of – hopefully they can keep this model, man. Not one person, analyst that I heard had any qualms about the bubble. Yeah. It was because of the, it went back to the purity of the game of basketball. And so I think it was good. And, and you know, shout-outs to Adam Silver for, um, you know, yeah. for, 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 for putting on such a – for pulling something that – 
I didn't think it was possible to to pull off. So right, and you and you touched on something here, low that I I want to bring to light too is, you know, the Devin Booker's of the world. I mean, he plays on the West Coast. We we don't get those games on the East Coast until almost ten thirty at night, and to sit through an entire game, you know, it's almost two a.m. before you know we right. fall asleep. And and you know, I'll be honest, I, I've I can't tell you if I've ever sat through an entire game. Uh, you know, that's, that starts at 1030, sometimes 11 o'clock at night, you know, so just being able to see guys like Devin Booker and, and seeing Dame perform on a nightly basis, like right, look, there's right. no surprise that Dame Lillard was able to do what he was doing in the bubble. We just didn't have a chance to see it because his games come on so late. Right. You know what I mean? So just being able to see that and having all the same, uh, games on the same time zone as very little of, uh, you know, it's very little of like an adjustment that it, that is for the NBA because they're so used to staggering these games. It was very beneficial for us as fans to see everybody playing at the same time, everybody yep. everybody playing was, in the same place. There was no home court advantage. There was nothing. You just had to – you got to come in. You got to execute. And who has that will, that you know, to kind of carry the team in those moments where – you don't have the crowd, as I mentioned, the crowd behind you or, you know, mm -hmm. uh, these biased calls that refs sometimes make because you're in your home court and they feel the pressure from the crowd. None yeah. of that. I think. And let me, and let me ask you this, Lo. Let me ask you this. As a basketball player, right, you have your rituals before a game. You have your superstitions, per se. You yeah. know, how do you adjust to an NBA bubble uh, system when you're superstition or your ritual from a home game or an away game is completely different compared to just being at a hotel room and a resort before you play? Yeah. You know, that's a good question. I think you kind of heard some of these guys kind of go back to their AAU days to say, okay, what was my routine, right? Like what would I do to relax, you know, you know, to be relaxed and be the most mentally prepared for these three games I have to play in four nights, right. Or, or whatever the case may be. So for me there, you know, there's routines or certain things that you have to do. And this is what makes the average basketball player and, uh, you know, be separated from the greats. They know how to adjust. So whatever your routine may be, right. What can I keep? What's the norm? You know, what can I do that is normal that I normally do outside of this environment that I can incorporate in this bubble. So if I take my naps at 9 AM, you know, if I eat at this certain time, if I shower, if I watch my favorite show, you know, whatever it is, what can I do to try to keep uh, my mind, you know, try, try to keep the, the schedule or my routine as consistent as possible in this new environment? So um, and again, you heard players express that on a consistent basis. Some guys adjusted well, other guys didn't adjust well. And so it just took a different mental, you know, uh, trying to figure out how do I normalize this abnormal you know situation and to maximize my potential so um that's that's what i typically do okay what can i what's my routine typically and how can i incorporate it in this new situation that i'm in we're going to jump into our you know to our next segment uh, we're going to talk about the nba draft we just got word that um adam, adam silver will be beginning the nba uh season christmas day whoop, whoop. Excited about that great Christmas gift, and it will proceed until uh, a little bit into the summer, right before the Olympics start. So, with this NBA draft class, I know as uh, John made mention, it's not a very strong draft class. Now, I'll give it to him. He is, uh, you know, him with his experience as an AAU coach and 
his love for amateur sports. Uh, he is far more knowledgeable about these guys coming out of college or even high school players going into college than I am. Um, but nonetheless, um, in this NBA draft, what are some of your expectations uh, and what do you see coming out of this NBA draft, Jono? I see a lot more draft trades um, than original team selections. Um, the big question is Golden State at number two. What are they going to do? Are they going to pick James uh, Wiseman from Memphis or are they going to trade the number two pick um, and you know get a, a, a player who can contribute now? Um, mm. I think they should trade it. I also know that if they decide to keep it and select someone, they are going to be well over the luxury tax with that salary um, that they're going to give that new rookie at number two. Um, so that, that's like the biggest question uh, that that's, you know, everybody is talking about right now. What's Golden State doing at number two? Anthony Edwards out of Georgia shooting guard. It's going to be the lock number one for Minnesota. I can't see them going elsewhere. Um, you know, they need a guy who can score. They need a guy who can get a bucket. Um, every team needs that, and that is what Minnesota has been lacking for the last several years. Uh, several years. So, in regards so, to the, so based on your predictions, you don't think Lamelo is going to go number one? No, no, he'll he'll go number two if Golden State does keep the pick. I mean, it's it's the perfect situation for him to go number two. And why, and if they keep oh the pick, God, wait, wait, why will Lamelo Ball go to Golden State Warriors? Well, he's got if he does go there, he's got Steph Curry and Klay Thompson to learn from, to learn how to get a shot off, to learn to move without the ball, something that a lot of scouts were kind of uh nitpicking around his game. The guy's a playmaker. He played he played professional in, in uh Europe and in Australia. We know he can score. His shot has gotten uh, a lot better, his mechanics. Um, and we know that if he plays behind Steph and plays behind Clay, I mean, he could potentially be the third splash brother. Listen um, to what you're saying. You think that the Golden State Warriors, who are in a win now situation, you know, Steph Curry, Clay Thompson are not getting any younger, they're getting older, no. and you think that they're going to waste a draft pick on drafting LaMelo Ball in hopes to develop him and not use him. Listen, I think the Golden State Warriors are going to have to trade that second pick. Um, if Minnesota, I believe that Minnesota, if they are going to draft anybody, it should be LaMelo Ball. Um, I, I'm not a big fan of the of, of the Ball family per se. I know, um, you know, yeah, it just there's a lot of hype, not a lot of substance. You know, uh, the oldest brother kind of showed glimpses that he can be a contributor to the NBA. You know, great defensive guy. His shot is whack. Um, yeah, he needs to learn from me how to shoot. You know what I'm saying? That's one thing I can do. Um, all the rest of the stuff, you know, he, he can leave it to the professionals. But I think that you can move D'Angelo Russell to the two because he has shown that he can play as an off guard if they're going to keep it. Um, but, yeah, this draft, there's no solidified number one draft pick for any of these teams. So it's basically going to be drafting on need. So if Golden State does end up selecting, I think there's going to be Wiseman from Memphis. Mm -hmm. Um, very athletic, Which is possible. very, very, very possible. And if that's the case, then I think they should keep it. If for whatever reason, Wiseman, you know, goes number one, which I doubt he will just because he, yeah, you know, I can't he see that. Pounds. but I think that the golden state Warriors should trade that second pick. They said with Andrew Wiggins, I think Andrew Wiggins is that third player that you need to kind of, 
you know, be able to create his own jump shot and, and create buckets. The man did average, you know, 19 points in Minnesota, and that's just on his skill set, right? Like you could tell he wasn't really into games most of the time. His body language is he just scored 19 points just based on his athletic talents. So being in Golden State, you know, working with, you know, the Draymond Crees of the world, the Clay Thompsons of the world, the Currys of the world, uh, and just Steve Kerr who can, uh, you know, get a lot of out of his players, I think it will be beneficial. Trade the second pick for a couple of, uh, you know, role players, solidify that bench. I think that would be the best route for Golden State to take. Other than that, yeah, I'm not, a, I'm not, I, I, th- I think I have to agree with you. You're going to probably see a lot more trades um, in this draft, you know, in this NBA draft, then you are going to see these solidified, you know, bona fide stars coming out. Um, right. and so, so what is your, some of your draft night trades and predictions? Um, well, I, I give you this bold prediction here. I'll tell you that Chris Paul will get traded on draft night. Um, to who? Uh, I think well, it's well, going to be my next. Well, I wish I had a sound effect. Pew! Hold on, hold on. <laughs> what do you think Chris Paul is going to be get traded to first and foremost? That's for the um, He's going to pay 40 million million. dollars at 36 i can barely make thirty six thousand. yeah right you know and you know i mean so so he's doing good for himself but he showed that he could he's a capable point guard who can still Mm -hmm. tribute on a high level but you're saying he's gonna get traded nba draft night where where do you think he's gonna get traded to yeah he's i I mean it, it doesn't make sense for okc to keep him um just with all the draft picks they have you know the the bu- they benefited from the bubble. They were another team that benefited from the bubble. They weren't even going to supposed to be as good as they were. I mean, they took Houston to seven games, and it was because an undrafted, you know, rookie out of Arizona State. I can't pronounce the the young man's name, so I don't want to butcher it. But you know, he he locked up James Harden, and Chris Paul showed that he can lead a team. All those mm-hmm. question marks that that came up in Houston, you know, in LA on the back end of his career with the Clippers of him leading a team. He showed that he can do it in Houston. Now, with less um, serious talent. With less He's talent, right. And, and I meant to say OKC. I said Houston, but OKC. So, you know, I, I think Chris Paul gets traded. I would love to see him get traded to the Knicks. Uh, I think the Knicks have a lot of young talent that they can give over to, um, you know, to OKC. Do they give up the eighth pick in this draft? That I, I don't know because – it's a weak draft, but there's still some value that you can possibly get at eight. Um, I, I you, think Cole Anthony would be there. I think there's a, a couple powerful, a couple power forward, excuse me, from the SEC that are, are valuable at uh, at number eight. But um, he get. I think Chris Paul gets traded. That's my bold prediction. And and you know to to even, not really bold if you don't tell me where he's getting traded to. Where do you think he's getting traded to? I, I think he gets traded to the Knicks. I mean, he has a lot of ties in New York. <laughs> I, I do, and I'm not saying this because I'm a uh, Knicks fan. I, I think he gets traded to the Knicks. There's already been some uh, trade proposals, um, and obviously this is just you know some some people writing and, and talking. Knicks but fan. I, it, it must it must be horrible you being a Knicks fan. It a is. Knicks it's fan, a Giants fan. fan. Just horrible for you, isn't it's it? Tough. Y'all New York just, sports are not booming right now. You're just clinging on to anything. We're going to get Chris Paul. So what if he's 37 38 years old and and we we got our we y'all get all these stars like way past their primes it's yeah. sad and we get I, the stars that are before their prime fan, but um but who you know the team that had a worse record than us was you guys and so you know we we know our expectations are are not that great yeah we're not going to be good it's going to be a while for the Knicks to be good but 
on draft night, they got to make a splash. They got a brand new coach, brand new coaching staff. You know, Thibs needs someone who's a leader. You know, we've got too many young guys that he can't count on right now. I mean, they're, they're just not fully, uh, fully developed in the league. Mitchell Robinson is the center that we build around RJ Barrett last year's pick, you know, someone else to build around. We're still building around Frank. Um, you know, and I mean, I don't know how long that project is going to take. Still waiting on Kevin Knox to, you know, figure it out. And he got drafted super young. I think he was 18 coming in the league. So yeah. a lot of figuring out for the Knicks specifically, but in regards to just predicting what happens on draft night, I don't think Golden State keeps that number two pick. And I do think Chris Paul is on the move. All right. So well, that's the, that's Jono's bold prediction. Uh, I, I do think that Houston Rockets are going to do something during the NBA draft. Um, that team currently constructed, they aren't going to go far. Um, as much they as just, you want they just to, lost their GM. I don't know if you knew that. Yeah. Well, I would have stepped down too after that disaster. Yeah. That was the bubble. Oh, yeah. So, um, small ball is, is fun to watch. Golden state has been the only team that has, uh, actually profited in one, you know, playing small ball, but at the same time, um, they didn't strictly, play small ball they knew how to adjust right they did have their bigs the andrew bogut's of the world you know the uh, uh you know mcgee's of the world uh so golden state gonna have to make some sort of trade um you can't get rid of Westbrook and, and harden just because their contracts are, are two crazy bigs but you know maybe try to get younger more athletic uh better shooters um well they have the shooters but you just gotta get i just don't know where that guy, team is man. I just yeah, don't know what they're doing. I mean, the the small ball lineup worked because Daryl Morey. I mean, he believed in it, so he got guys that, yeah, and he, and he did, and he got guys that can shoot, and that was all that they did. And now, with uh, I don't know, have they hired a new coach yet? I mean, we're, we're they're still they're I still they're figuring still out their coaching situation. Interviewing Van Gundy. Yeah. Uh, so I mean, they're this just a mess right now, and, and they don't have enough money to spend, and they don't have enough money just to to they don't have enough assets to give back. So I don't know where they stand. If I'm Harden, if I'm Westbrook, if I want to win, I'm going to ask for a trade no matter what. Harden, I don't know. I'm not sold on Harden sometimes. Sometimes I feel like he's good, and, and other times I feel like he's – He's a great – he's a superstar in the regular season. Come to postseason, he's just – he's a jag, as Max Kellerman would say. He's just another guy. <laughs> you know? he, like, he really he is. Our potential, but he doesn't live up to it. You know, on any given night, I, I would have to say I think Clippers why might make a move uh, draft night. I think they're going to try to do the less is more thing. They have so much talent, but their chemistry was killing them. Um, they definitely need Correct. a point guard. Do they make a trade back for CP three? You know, who knows, right? Know. That would have to work there anymore. But you know, you get get rid of some some you know trade pack. I don't know the 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 uh, the finances and how that would work out. Uh, right. Or even sign, you know, Rondo to try to, you know, hold the fort, you know, fort down. Who knows? But I think number one, Lamelo Ball will go to um, uh, to um, the Timberwolves. Number two, Wiseman, and then your boy from Georgia um, will go number three. I don't know anything about this Israeli guy. I'm very reluctant when it comes to international. He's young. He's young, and those I don't, those, I don't know nothing about nothing, you know. And yeah, you know, you those know, international but, guys are always a question mark. I mean, look, it's it's a it's honestly a, a one in a twenty opportunity where you know a guy from overseas blossoms into an NBA star. I mean, we look at Dirk, we look at Luca, we look at Giannis. You know, Giannis was 
unknown. He played B level pro basketball in Greece. Right. And look what look what he's doing now. So, so you basically just told me that's who the Knicks are going to be drafting. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, man. If the Knicks draft some some international guy who doesn't ever play again, I will be very upset. Uh, well, I don't which know what leads I'll us do. to our last question because um, I am unapologetically a Chicago Bulls fan. Have been ever since the days of MJ, and as um, as Jono uh, confessed to the world, he is a Knicks fan. So you already know Die hard. horrible is this this miserable, just a miserable life as a sports fan, you know. And we're it's both Mets fans, so that you know, we have to deal with that in the offseason, and then he has to transition over to basketball and watch Nick's basketball. So we're gonna end off on the segment, you know, we're gonna end this podcast to talk about our two favorite teams. Now I will start with the Chicago Bulls. I am super, super Super excited about the Billy Donovan, Billy Donovan hire. It's yeah, going hire. to, you know, he showed that he can coach, that he can, you know, adjust to different personalities, you know, with the KDs of the world to maximizing less for more, you know. And so CP3, I think, really earned his respect. Um, and so I can't really can't wait to see what he develops in Chicago. I'm excited about the GM that we hired. And so if he can just, if he can do anything he did in, in Denver, in Chicago, we have hope for the future. Um, I'm really wanting to see that young talent developed. I know we've dealt with injuries. Um, you know, Wendell Carter Jr., another Dookie, he has shown that he has flashes of being a great defensive anchor. Um, uh, Zach Levine, I thought he should have been an all-star this year. Um, the man and that's who you need to build around. Yeah, and this idea that he's a second, third tier star, like the brother, he's a walking bucket, man. He just needs to bucket. be able to put a culture. Laurie Marketing, that's gonna be huge. Can he can he he's been regressing? And I think a lot of it has to do with coaching and and you know, having him a spot of three-point shooter. He needs to get more back to the basket, you know, kind of use his aggression. So they have a, a a core nucleus that I think Billy Donovan can really um, extract from. I believe we have the uh, fourth pick. Is it the Bulls got the fourth pick? Um, yeah, got the fourth okay, pick. So we have the fourth pick. I know they've been looking at this kid from Ohio, and uh, the other Israel, uh, the the other guy from the international basketball player. Whatever we do, we need to really live up and play up to the potential. You know, Kobe White can can he continue to uh, uh, be a bucket getter? That we saw at UNC, um, so they have a young, nice nucleus, and so I'm really excited about Billy Donovan's hire. Um, it's just going to create a culture, especially for young talent, and I think that's what needs to be done. Can you develop young these young stars and playing up to the you know to, to their potential? What they'll do with the fourth pick, we'll see. This guy from uh, the kid from Ohio, uh, what's his name? Um, not Ohio, Obi. sorry, uh, from Dayton. Dayton. Obi. Obi. Obi super athletic. yeah super athletic but i don't see yeah. anything else I, I like obi no I, I like obi he do, he dominated this year i mean he he should have gotten every single player of the year award that was out there is um, he a three though he looks like a hybrid well, like uh he he's listed at six nine so which really means he's about six seven <laughs> we know how the nba does it so uh you know i i would put him as a small forward next to Zach Levine and and my my biggest question honestly Lo and, and maybe you can answer this with the Bulls is 
Is it going to work with a scoring point guard and a scoring shooting guard and Kobe White and Zach Levine? Is is that combination going to work? That's a very good question. Honest question. I think we, we – we struggled a lot with point guard play. Uh, we got the kid Thomas. Um, I can never, I can't pronounce his name. The guy that we just got from the the Wizards, a long athletic mm-hmm. guy, um, to be our starting point guard. I think Kobe White will be a great six man, and mm-hmm. I wouldn't even mind you know trading for a Chris Paul to solidify that point guard position and allow you know what I'm saying really orchestrate that offense. I wouldn't mind seeing that, you know, kind of, and all the while getting Kobe White to be developed into that, into that guy. I think they need a a facilitator. They need somebody who can really get, can they, you know, Zach Levine needs the ball. I think, you know, with our last coach, he put the ball way too much in his hands. He's much better as an off score and he can uh, create when needs to just, you know, you can't have him do that in every possession, right? Cause all the defenses lock in on Zach Levine. Cause a turnover, that's it, right? So I think Kobe White will be a phenomenal, phenomenal six uh, six man if we can solidify that that point guard position. But I'm excited. We'll see what the offseason is going to look like. You're saying you like the 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 Ob uh, Ob my Ob uh, what's his last Obi name? Ob Toppin. I, I like Ob. I, I like that is Obi a horrible Landry. name. Just like <laughs> Ob Toppin. He's, he's he's athletic. He is he's a four. Well, that's guy. all I seen was just dunks. You know, I'm yeah, like, okay, but can he, does he have a mid-range game? Can he hit three pointers? You know, is he is he a defensive guy? So if they draft him at three, I'm not, you know, overly upset. Um, but the real question is, what is your next gonna do? You got Tom Thibodeau. Oh man, you know, so he's gonna, you know, you already know that uh all your players are gonna be playing 50 minutes a game and gonna wear them out. <laughs> But um, this is this is something I've asked myself for years. What what are the Knicks doing, right? Like what what are, what's the Knicks plan? Like, you know, when you when you when you have a business, you have a business plan. The Knicks have a franchise, and I don't think they have a plan. I think they just draft players and hope that these guys can play basketball. And it's a little bit upsetting. Actually, it's very upsetting as a Knicks fan because there's always hope that we're gonna be good or relevant. I tell you, you right now, your, you know, you guys give yourself this hope. I don't know where this hope comes from because John, it's o, a New York thing. Are, no, 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 no. Thing. I'm gonna have to know because we had our arguments where you try to convince me that the current team of the Knicks, the currently constructed, was gonna compete for a playoff spot. I'm like, bro, like you, you'd really try to convince me. Ty, oh, we got Ty Gibson, you know, uh, Knox is gonna be phenomenal. Oh man, this is a solid team. I was like, bro, you got number power forwards, you know, you're st- you know, you got a point guard who's sounds, super sounds long. like a hopeful conversation. Yeah, it, that's all it was. He was trying uh, to spit, you know, yeah. trying to speak hope. There was no hope for this Knicks organization. The Tom Thibodeau, you know, uh um hire is up in the air. He did phenomenal, you know, in Chicago, but he had guys who bought into his system. It didn't yeah. work in Minnesota, you know. Plus, he was the GM. That I'm, I'm always, you know, skeptical when it, you know a coach is a GM and 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 a and a you know basketball too, coach. Too much yeah. power there. I mean, I think from a Knicks standpoint, because we are young, because we have guys who I think our our average age is like 21, 22. I mean, we're one of the youngest teams in the league. I, I think mm-hmm. in that respect, those guys are going to buy into what Thibs is teaching. Um, I think the the new president that the Knicks hired, Drake's boy, is going to bring culture. It's going to bring a fan base back to the city that we've missed for the last twenty what? seasons. The fan base never's gone nowhere. 
What fan base? There's no fan base that's gone, that's left. I mean, they're not watching they're games in the garden. It's, it's almost as obnoxious as Cowboy fans. Like, oh, you know, you know, we just hired this guy to bring. Knicks fans are always going to be Knicks fans. They don't leave being a Knicks fan. It's just you guys are a lot more silent when you guys are not doing well. So that's, that's a different. But uh, y'all Nick start winning, hearing all these Knicks fans come out of nowhere. That's for sure. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's, but, that's um, for sure. But I'm excited about this upcoming NBA season, um, especially for what the Bulls, you know, have in store as a Knicks hopeful. Uh, John was trying to convince himself that they are, there's there's light at the end of this dark tunnel. Um, but overall, we're just excited for this NBA season coming up in December, Christmas Day. Um, whether it's going to be multiple bubbles, we don't know. But uh, this is why we enjoy the game of basketball in this NBA uh, league, just because, you know, this commission has been top notch. And so they're not afraid of taking chances. And I think with this bubble, they took a shot and it worked. And I think now people can kind of go back and say, hey, we can kind of adjust, you know, the, the NBA season and, and still give a good product out. So we're going to conclude, you know, we just want to say thank you so much for uh, guys tuning in. Um, if you have any questions that you guys would like for us to talk about or address, uh, you know, shoot them in the in the comment section, you know, shoot it to us and we'll uh, make sure to put it in our future episodes. But um, until next time, guys, this is your boy Lo and Jono. It's your boy Jono here. Peace and love. One of many podcasts here to come here in the future. Peace and love, guys. So check us out on your favorite podcast platform, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Apple uh, Podcasts, you know, wherever you listen to your favorite podcast, make sure to tune us in, uh, subscribe, follow us, and uh, hopefully you guys enjoyed this episode of Bench Warmers. Until next time, guys. Peace. Yeah.